0: I'm Romy Newman, the co founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Fairy God Boss Radio today. I am thrilled to be here with our old friend, Lindsay Ray McIntyre, who is, has the esteemed position of being Chief Diversity Officer at Microsoft. Lindsay Ray, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much. It's great to be here with you.
0: I'd love to ask you to tell us about your journey, your career, and how you got to where you are today.
1: It's a, it's a great question, and you know, as I reflect on this, I, I realize that I haven't had a, a, a linear journey necessarily. When I came out of university, I was in the healthcare consulting space, um, but had seriously considered being a financial analyst because that's what everybody else was doing, and ultimately became a part of a healthcare consulting practice and spent time with payers and providers and did JCO audits in hospitals, but prior to sort of my formal professional career, had spent time running a not-for-profit for for deaf and hearing children and had done a a significant amount of work in in the civil rights space. So I wanted to get back to my passion and uh, ultimately ended up coming into diversity and inclusion. I spent some time there and my third line manager at the time, I said, you know, I think I might want your job someday. And he at the time was, was the chief diversity officer of the company I was at. And said, well, if that's the case, then you have to go off and do many, many other things. And I said, what exactly does that mean? Well, you have to, you know, learn how to, how to lead people and work with managers and pay people and develop people. And you have to, you know, do all of these really critical experiences across the broader human resources function and not being a human resources professional uh, by, by academic background. I said, well, I'm not sure that, that all sounds all that exciting. And then I spent the next 20 years doing exactly that. So I have had the real benefit of being a generalist uh, for the large majority of my career, but taking on tough assignments uh, all over the United States and all over the world where I had the opportunity to be a specialist as well. And then obviously now have uh, the really uh, you know, delightful pleasure of being the chief diversity officer for Microsoft.
0: Wow, and it's really so what was it about the Chief Diversity Officer job that appealed to you from so early on? Well,
1: for me, it and I, I was really relatively early in my career. I'd probably been in the workforce for three or four years at the time. It, it looked to me like a place that had incredible opportunity to make a difference, both both in in the communities and the marketplaces where our employees were living and working, but also in the employee experience. And it was complicated and it touched so many different aspects of um an employee's overall broader experience in the in the workplace that it felt to me like it, it had lots of texture and and opportunity to grow and learn and those are all very important things to me personally. And it spoke to a value that I was raised with, which is you know, connect to people who are different from you. Bring out their broader perspectives. Create the space for conversations and innovation to unfold through you know the magnificence of what happens when you bring lots of different people together.
0: I love that, and I love that your former uh, manager or, or superior was so willing to direct you and say, "Hey, here's the path." Uh, that is really, I think, that's pretty impressive. Um, mentoring
1: that you don't always see. Yeah, I would say that I I have gotten really lucky and mentors have played an incredibly important role in in my life. I've I've really been one of those mentees that I think was hungry to to learn and I was obviously really ambitious and um and in some cases, maybe obnoxious, and and yet I was super coachable, and th- I just I feel like they invested in my success. They gave me candor and uh, perspective that I couldn't have had because I, you know, I I didn't have the lay of the land or the experiences that they had had, um, and they they were really invested in my success and willing to to show sort of to show me and guide me. And, and so I, I feel like I, I got really lucky, but they also were pivotal part. I was pivotal, a pivotal part of their journey. And they yeah. realized that
0: in order to get that kind of mentorship, you were obviously contributing something important to their, their work and their priorities. So, but along the way, a question that we ask all of our guests is how, how do you think if at all gender played a role in your career?
1: I love this question because it had me reflect on, you know, I grew up with, you know, a single mother who was uh, fierce and successful and had a work ethic unlike anything I've ever seen. And so I, I had sort of a great role model. um, And in, in my house, my mom sort of went from working three jobs till she could work two jobs till she could work one job. And then she got promoted every year that I lived at home before I went to university and so this idea of women's advancement and really watching as a young person watching the trade offs that she had to make in her life to be you know obviously the provider of our family but also to be incredibly successful in her own uh in her own craft what set her really Uh, important foundation for me about uh, watching her speak up and take stances on things um, and and talk to me about what was going on around her and her own experience, uh, which I think attuned me to just the realities of some of what, what she, she was up to, but I have three older brothers and, Oh, wow. And, I, so you were you grew up so in a there, male-dominated environment, really? I did, and yet I I always loved being me. Like I I wasn't them. I I you know I loved being I loved being being the girl in the household, um, and 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 yet you know I've also, I've always had a a real commitment to growing other women as I you know got old enough to do so. Um, but uh but that's sort of how i th- how i think about gender um i also you know the i've had mentors uh one of the mentors that that i spoke about was a man and and have benefited from from women as as, as mentors too but um you know the ability to connect to and confide in lots of different uh sort of archetypes of leadership has been important to me so Well, first of all, what an incredible
0: role model your mom is, right, Uh, with four children and this amazing career, and and that is so much to take forward with you. So as you point out, now you are in a position where you're passing the hand back, and actually not only do you along the way do you mentor women, but really the the fact that you've sought out this role as chief diversity officer, you're sort of systematically helping women and and other uh, less advantaged populations. So how do you think about mentoring and passing the hand back
1: i mean f- for me, because i 've just been such a beneficiary of mentoring I, I I take it very seriously it's not you know it's not something that i that I take lightly um, so i'm you know i'm a mentor that makes my mentees work like we have very clear plans i'm invested in their success i want to help them in any way i can i also tell them that they can reserve the right to fire me as their mentor whenever they want right that there's a time it. and a place for for for, for mentorship and if if I'm not helping them get to where they want to get to, let's have that kind of conversation. Cause sometimes the politics are such that you're like, Ooh, I don't know that I want to tell Lindsay Ray that she's not helping me anymore. And I'm at a point in my life where I really would benefit from a different kind of mentor with my mentees. We really openly contract for like, Let's be really clear about how I can be most helpful for you. And then I will open up my network and connect you to other people who would be helpful based on your growth, your trajectory, your aspirations, where you are in your life so that you know, not only can I be explicitly helpful for them in uh, my direct interaction for them, but I think e- even more so to be able to share my broader network with them to sort of serve as the next rung on the ladder to help propel them is equally important. Um, and so that's me sort of an in individual manager ca- uh, or, or mentoring capacity. But, you know, your point about systematically caring for and thinking about the advancement of women more broadly is um, obviously part of my day job. And so you know thinking about how we embed the systemic support structures the formal and informal avenues for women to be able to seek out and connect to people who will be helpful for them and resources for them to meet them where they are and help them achieve you know the next step in the ladder of of whatever it is they're up to I think if there's anything that I've I've learned it's that we all define success in very different ways and if we're thoughtful enough to open up the conversation we we can create supports and opportunities for everybody depending on on what they're up to
0: i love that so let's talk specifically about some of the work you're doing at microsoft i mean I, candidly in a lot of conversations i hold up microsoft as one of the the top organizations in terms of your internal focus on diversity. So what is it like to be the chief diversity officer there? What are you focused on and what are you excited about?
1: I think that's a pretty long list because I'm relatively new to Microsoft. As in, and it. as you said, the focus on diversity and inclusion isn't isn't new for Microsoft, but Microsoft has been on a huge cultural transformation journey in the last four years and has really laid a beautiful foundation of growth mindset and really learning deeply not only about the technology, but about the people agenda, which really is a nice foundation to lean into both diversity and inclusion. Right. so when you think about unpacking that, we're at a time when, you know, we're pivoting from diversity as a necessary focus from a compliance standpoint and compliance continues to serve a really important role in, you know, Multinational and or national organizations, but but we have to get out of the fixed mindset of you know it is a compliance thing, it is a check the box thing, it's something that we have to do for so well, Microsoft we're doing it to protect our disaster.
0: reputation, right? It's
1: instead it's an investment yeah. in the business. Yeah. Well, and for us, it's a cultural accelerator. So Microsoft really sees diversity and inclusion as a cultural accelerator for an organization that has the most inclusive mission in the industry to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. You know, on the one hand, that's a tremendous opportunity. On the other hand, if you think about it, it's pretty overwhelming because we're up to providing products and services and experiences for the 7 billion people on the planet. And so... Empathy and proximity only get you so far. You have to have representation of individuals inside the company to do all of that and to achieve all of that. But then the conversation, uh, the converse, the difficult conversations, the uncomfortable conversations about what happens when you get much more diversified is a conversation that I think Microsoft's being really brave in and creating the spaces and the psychological safety to to have the tough conversations, to step up to the the questions that people talk about when they're outside of the workplace about the workplace because they're too nervous to talk about it inside the workplace, Microsoft's really having those conversations. And so we introduced the concept of covering from Kenji Yoshino, which which I know you're familiar with, uh, just for awareness on sort of universality of, of what humans do to fit into the mainstream. And then, you know, what are some, some opportunities for us to give people tangible skills and learning. And so we designed an allyship framework that's relatively newly introduced to Microsoft to to help people understand uh, the opportunity to learn about somebody's perspective. And, you know, we come at it from practice, sort of this idea of practicing awareness. So that has to be the first step, right? What do, what What do we as individuals know? And what do we not know? Um, And then exercising curiosity, because as humans, we're super judgmental. And so if we can create a different uh, inertia around curiosity to suspend judgment and really understand somebody else's perspective, that helps us. And then demonstrating the courage to sort of speak out loud and point to the places where our lived experience is different than our aspire to culture and really get to work on closing those gaps. So that's a little bit about what what we're up to and then um Microsoft has this beautiful um practice of using employee storytelling as a, as an avenue to not only build empathy but to give people sort of the voice of colleagues to understand circumstances and um that 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 is proving to be really powerful in in the inclusion space uh, as, as folks are really wanting to have those tough conversations and and other people telling their stories gives them the foundation and the permission to do so.
0: Well, that was extraordinary to hear. I, I actually was taking notes as you said it, and specifically I wrote down your, your point, empathy and proximity only get you so far. You have to have representation, and I love the idea of allyship and getting beyond empathy to actually really internalizing somebody else's experience Incredible stuff that I know our audience can take a lot away from. Thank you. So then with that in mind, something we ask a lot about, Fairy Godboss, a core part of our product is we survey women about their experiences at work. And one of the answers many of them give is, well, it depends on the manager. My experience here depends on my manager. So what do you think makes a good manager? And then how are you thinking about
1: changing behavior at the managerial kind of middle management level? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think, you know, even the role of the manager has changed in my lifetime in the in in, in the workforce, and and the the opportunity for managers, and frankly, the responsibility of managers uh, today is is very different, right? Some managers have five generations that they're managing, and they have to be able to articulate. You know how and where the work gets done in, in an environment that, that is, is not necessarily what they would have expected when they sort of signed up for this, this nebulous thing called I want to be a manager, right? But managers who have, I think, I, I have revered and learned from have done a couple of things. They have been invested in the success of others, they've been excellent teachers. Um, they've been great listeners and then they, they hire people smarter than them, right? The ability to I sort of that, understand yeah. that as a, as a, as a manager and as a leader, your job is to find and spark talent and get out of the way, right? To create space for other people to shine and for sure to coach them and guide them and, 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 create the path and, and the opportunity, but really to your, you know, I see my role as a manager to, to really make sure that my, my teams have the greatest opportunity to put their skills on display and to learn and grow in advance. Um, and also to be really unselfish about somebody's aspirations. So, you know, if somebody has very, very high aspirations for their career it's going to be important for them in some organizations to have lots of different kinds of experiences. So knowing, you know, as a manager when they have satisfied or squeezed out as much of the experience as is going to be useful for their long-term success and then saying, Hey, listen, I think it's time for you to pursue a new opportunity and I'm going to help you do that as opposed to hoarding talent or being selfish about holding on to somebody for you know, for too long, and then them not ultimately being able to achieve what what they want to achieve. Um,
0: yeah, I think part then of our
1: role as managers is to just lean in as hard as we can, and then let folks fly when it's time for them to fly.
0: And it has to be a really uh, just kind of a thoroughly supportive culture to enable managers to be like that, right? I mean, if you have so much pressure to drive results, or so much pressure to perform as a manager, as a team, there isn't space or time to think about being a teacher, being a listener. So I think um, you can see where the culture really has to make space and, and support and expect that type of work out of
1: managers. I also think the time is coming when, you know, people are voting with their feet. Right, and so yes, no question. You know, some people get to some people get to management just because they were there for a long time, or they were the next person up, or they were a great individual contributor. And management, being a great manager, being somebody that attracts talent, is really a, a skill, and and one that you know those of us who want to be managers really take time to invest in. And you're right, the pressures are not going away anytime soon. But if I can say no to a meeting that's you know maybe interesting but not super important and use that same hour to invest in my learning on how to be a better manager and a better leader for my people those are the kinds of trade-offs we're going to have to make um in in a world where we've got constrained time
0: right and we're all recruiting we're all putting together our our teams ourselves really yeah um great insight so Let's uh, kind of in a totally different uh, topic, let's talk about work-life balance. Uh, I know our audience is always really interested in hearing how successful women manage. You've had careers. You've, you've brought your, your family all over the globe. Tell us about that and how you manage work-life balance then and today.
1: So I'm, I'm not going to say that this is a great strength of mine. I would say that it's in my to-do pile more often than it's not, uh, and it was that way long before I was a working mother. Now that I have three very small children, uh, it it continues to be an important part of my to-do pile. Um, but I, for me, uh, I am I am invigorated and in love with my work. That's both good news and bad news because I I could you know on any given day I could get consumed by my work. So it's important for me to create. Um, boundaries of what do I want to achieve today by when do I want to achieve it so that I can get, you know, out of the office and into my life. And so every morning or the night before I sort of think about, okay, success tomorrow looks like, and the list is no longer than five things. I try and keep it to three. Uh, and I really try and prioritize uh you know, getting home so that I can have dinner with my family. I can, you know, tub my children. I can do story time and I can put them into bed. And you know, that is my rhythm today. I meet with. Um, I took a best practice from a senior uh, executive many years ago. She used to meet with the school ahead of the school year and find out the necessary things for her to put into her calendar, so that she okay. was at the recitals, the assemblies, the sort of the art nights that were really important. And so I completely stole from her. And and I do the very same thing now that I have kids. Um, And I also try and exercise. I don't exercise as much as I should, but I try and exercise because every time I do, I remember the joy of sort of oxygen and time to think and endorphins and all the goodness that comes with feeling like you're feeding your body with something that it needs. And so I try and exercise too. Love that.
0: Uh, All right. Are you willing to tell us about a mistake you've made along the way and what you learned from it?
1: Wow, there are so many of these. Uh, I feel like I'm constantly getting to grips with sort of the limitless flaws of my my humanity. But I would say that there was a time in my life where I was so focused on getting a particular promotion um, that It was like my singular focus and people who I, you know, intellectually was benchmarking myself against were getting promoted and I was getting like furious. Right. It felt unfair. It felt like I was, you know, I I was better positioned. It felt like, you know, I I I I should have gotten the promotion that I was so desperate and hungry for. And I remember having a conversation with my mentor, and I was hugely emotional and super frustrated and and she said, "Can I just ask you if what it is you want to be and on the goal that we've been we've been aligned to is still your goal?" And I said, "Yes, that's still my goal." And she said, "Then I just need you to trust me a little bit. like I'm not asking yeah. you to pull your foot off the gas. I'm not asking you to I just need you to." Just trust me a little bit because if you got the opportunity that those other people are getting, you wouldn't get the other opportunities because there are gates and openings in the system and in the structure and we're really building a set of experiences for you that will give you momentum. And that was really it was really hard for me to hear, but it also was resulting in me dropping the ball on my day job. So I, my mm-hmm. performance started to get wobbly because I was so focused on this other thing. And it took and a friend the, of mine to feelings, say, right. Yeah. Yeah. And just yeah. like, and it was intense and I was, it, it was, it felt like, you know, sort of a really, it, it was just something that I needed for validation or whatever. Um, and, and for me at, that was it. Was a real. I had a, I had a dear friend of mine who I was sort of explaining it to, and they said, "You know, there, there's something in 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 the balance of of hearing and reconciling what what you're feeling. No one's asking you to park that, but but to really also understand what it is you want and the set of experiences that you're going to need to get there." And so for me, it was. It it was a learning, particularly for me to then watch the unintended consequence of, of me sort of uh, not dropping the ball, but getting wobbly in my day-to-day, which is something that remains very important to me. I've always said, you've got to stick the landing on your day job to ask for anything else. And so it, it was a big learning for me. Yes. Uh,
0: and I definitely have had that experience myself, and I know that feeling of frustration um, when when you feel like you're someone else is getting your opportunity it is the worst all right some fun questions first what is your
1: favorite karaoke song girls just wanna have fun love it yes <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it You have a little timely halloween. for this radio show but it actually exactly
0: is. Uh, it's a great one uh if i when I, I never forget like when i was 9 i was Cindy Lauper for halloween um, absolutely yes. my
1: girlfriends and i did it with the socks and everything that's right.
0: What is your favorite way to exercise? You talked about exercise. What? what how do you exercise?
1: Uh, these days I'm running. Uh, historically I've done yoga. I, if I'm going with somebody, I far prefer to speed walk because I can't actually run and talk at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think it depends on sort of who, who I'm with, but um but I like to do stuff that has sort of, you know, a sort of a cardio element to it. From time to time, I can do yoga, but I'm not great at being still and mindful, and I, I need to work on all of that. I do too. Likewise. All right, who
0: is one person dead or alive you'd like to have dinner with?
1: Nelson Mandela. Oh, that's a great he, you know somebody one. that I've followed for a long time, and he's just such a fascinating human being and i just feel like there's so much wisdom and patience and perseverance in his story i'd love to talk to him
0: yes no question no question um tell us about a book that has had a great impact on you and that you'd recommend to our audience
1: you know i was thinking about this one um and it's not you know it's it, i have to sort of probably get get a more sophisticated answer the um so I would point to uh, no ordinary time would be sort of my sophisticated book by, uh, Doris Goodwin.
0: Uh, but
1: the Velveteen rabbit remains Aww. my sort of, my my very like sort of my beloved story. Um, just Great because book. I love the, the, you know, the examples of, you know, sort of the conversations between the skin horse and the rabbit and the, the meme around love. So those would be two. Love it. Uh,
0: Uh, last of our fast five. So as I know, you know, it is a tradition at Fairy God Boss that we like to brag. We like to ask women to brag about themselves. And I'm going to ask you to brag about something personal or professional that you're proud of, something you do really well or an accomplishment you're proud of. Uh,
1: So I'm one of these sort of uh, people who likes to have bucket lists. Um, And so, i ran a marathon that doesn't make me a runner of marathons it just means i ran a marathon Love that. um i climbed i climbed kilimanjaro after i graduated from business school with a cu- couple of friends of mine and that was a pretty incredible experience um so i would put those two things on the list um you know i those count because i, think I had those are all of two my- fabulous <laughs>
0: achievements <laughs>
1: um and, and then, also, you I think, know, for those folks that are working mothers, I had three babies in three years overseas. Cool. And while I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, uh, the fact that I survived it is an accomplishment. That is incredible. I think all, all
0: of those things are incredible. Um, and also <laughs> show an appreciation, I think, of our world and all the amazing things out there in our world. All right. Our last question for you, Lindsay-Ray, is um, what is the one piece of advice you'd like to leave with our audience of talented, ambitious leaders?
1: You know, I, I, I would say that um, every time I meet the talent in the Fairy God Boss community, I, I am fully convinced that the world is in incredibly capable hands. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just a testimony to the conversation that you you're, you know, supporting and, and growing in, in the in, in the broader fairy godboss family. I would say that too many times I meet when I say to folks, you know, what 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 do you want to do? What fuels you? When are you at your best? Um, having crisp responses to those things and having clarity, even if you mm-hmm. don't know the specific job that you want, yes. um, is important because in a world surrounded by tremendously talented people having that like I'll do anything is is not instructive. People, it's difficult for people to help place you, right? Without right. yeah, it's hard to place folks in the job that's going to fuel them and grow them that they're going to love if you don't have some amount of specificity in terms of what skill set are you trying to grow? What gap are you trying to close? What Um, You know, what experience are you trying to gain? um, And, and, and what do you love? And I think that for really talented, ambitious people, it's, it's sometimes hard to connect to that, because you're used to just doing what the world throws at you and doing it really well, without pausing to really get connected to what is the work that fuels you versus what is the work that you're just going to be good at because you're smart and capable and ambitious and you'll do anything well. Yeah, I think
0: that's such good advice. And it's, and it's also, I think partly I see in women, it's sort of like the bragging thing. It's hard to say, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I do well, but it benefits you and it disadvantages you if you're not able to put words to that. Um, that's really great advice. Thank you so much for sharing, Lindsay Ray. It's been fantastic spending time with you today.
1: I'm so glad to connect with you again. I, uh, since I moved west, I don't get to see you as often, so it's fun for me to spend some time with you and the, the broader Fairy Godboss family, so thanks very much for thinking of me.
0: Thank you very much, uh, and I look forward to connecting again soon and keeping this conversation going about the amazing things you do personally and that you're doing at Microsoft. That sounds great. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.